Hey, y'all, this is Ashley, also known as Bored Becky, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. And I'm like, Travi, come on now. Like, you, you got this under control. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. I love your energy. It's so hyped. It's so warm. It's so friendly. Yo, what's up? It's G-Love, and I'm fired up with Travi. This is Danielle Petty, co-founder of The 90s Babes, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DJs, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land. My name is Travi, and we are fired up on the blockchain. Let's go. Yes, 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 yes. Here we are one more time for lucky number 13. This is episode number 13. And today I'm fired up on solutions. Finding solutions to problems is what Web3 blockchain and all that fun stuff is all about. And today I'm going to be joined by the one and only Zach Hairwagon, the founder of Snag Solutions, also a proud member of the OG Collective. Zach and I are going to talk about how we met IRL, some of the really cool things that we are involved in together, like being on the council and advisory team over there at Crypto Chicks, uh, how we're both active in the OG Collective. Uh, He's done a whole lot of stuff in real life with DoorDash and finding solutions for problems in the real world. And now luckily we have him on our side here in this crazy mixed up world of Web3. Before we get to Zach, I want to also give a big shout out to my good friends, Liz Morrison and Becky Wowo. I was actually on a Twitter space that they hosted. It was actually like a ladies night in Web3. I was the invited guest of honor that night. So I crashed the party and um, I ended up getting a special domain name from Liz and Liz is on a team over there at Unstoppable Domains. And I would highly recommend everyone check out Unstoppable Domains for your own uh, user uh, domain name. You can have a .nft. A dot crypto, a dot X, a whole bunch of really cool, really fun things uh, that you could do in this crazy world here of Web3. So, just been a lot of cool uh, people that I've got to meet in real life. Um, if you have a chance to check out that Twitter space and you do have a chance to listen to Becky and Liz, it is Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And we had some really, uh, really awesome guests like Fanzo came up, Figuolo came up. Nikki Sparks came up, Hunter from Relic came up, and uh, there was even a special birthday guest of honor who fell asleep in his birthday cake face down. So really, <laughs> it's a really good time. So anyway, yeah, just a lot of really good people in the space. And we'll uh, talk with one of them, Zach Herwagen, on the other side of today's Community Spotlight. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Today's community spotlight is on my friends over there at the Taco Gatos. You ever said to yourself, I really want to see a really cool looking cat with really cool clothes holding a taco? Well, of course you have. Who hasn't? Taco Gatos are the place where you can see that. 10,000, there's all different kinds of tacos, all different kinds of fur on these cats. And not only that, what makes the community interesting is they're one of the very first family-friendly NFTs that I've actually been able to come across. I mentioned one or two in the past on this, but the Taco Gatos actually are so kid-friendly that they even have, you'll sometimes see within discords, there'll be games played, right? And so sometimes they actually have games that are at an earlier time of the evening. So the kids of the token holders can actually go in and play. And some of those games are things like cat races, where if you just enter a cat race, the the computer races all the entries and the cats that come like in first, second and third place move on in this tournament. And then every single week there's prizes given. I think think I've even won uh, Taco Bell gift certificates. Uh, Some people have won NFTs. There's all kinds of fun stuff that goes on in Taco Gatos. 
But some of the really cool things are the nine lives, which if you get a taco gato and you want to put it into their system called nine lives, you can roll the dice and you can actually get all brand new traits for your gato. And who knows, it could be even more rare. So today is all about taco gatos. Go check them out. Taco gatos. So I talk a lot about on this podcast about how there's builders in this space and how so many of them are doing some really creative and really amazing things. And while some people like myself, maybe sometimes we're called builders, but maybe we're taking one brick at a time, doing the best we can. I'd like to introduce you to somebody, Zach Heerwagen. And he's actually, if it wasn't for him, kind of almost like mixing the concrete for us and making the building even possible. I don't know people like him, if it wasn't for people like him, that there would even be people like me in this space. So Zach, I first want to say thank you for coming on. Fired up on a blockchain with Travi. You and I are actually friends, not just in Web3, but we met IRL. It's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast officially. Fired up to be here, Travi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. So if anyone's not familiar with Zach's work, I think one of the best ways before we get into it, uh, just think about kind of like the Shopify uh, for NFTs. I think that's exactly uh, the outlook that I have on some of what Zach's building. But before we get into some of that really fun stuff and the really kind of cool stuff that Zach and his, his partners are creating for us, Zach, let's talk a little bit about the NFT space and the Web3 space and um, how you and I met. I, I know on this podcast, sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost every episode, um, there's somebody doing something really amazing. And a lot of times they have some connection to to the group that you and I are actually part of, which is called the OG Collective, which is uh, really just a combination of really serious collectors, some builders, some project founders. Um, how has your experience been so far just being a part of the OG Collective um, and sort of building among uh, that crew? Yeah, so uh, it, it, the OG Collective was, uh, in my mind, the second major uh, NFT project I got into after Board Ape Yacht Club. And obviously, I, I love Board Ape, but the OG Collective is really building something pretty different. And it starts from the collection size with 200 pieces. And because of that collection size and uh, what that leads to in terms of the feel of the Discord, your ability to build real relationships, meet meet folks like yourself, uh, it, it creates a very different uh, kind of community culture and ability to actually get shit done, coordinate as a group, etc. Um, you know, lots of times these uh, PFP projects are operating like DAOs, um, and, and in this case, we have the opportunity to really uh, move quickly and and, and uh, pool capital, etc. Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know that group. And then obviously as folks like, uh, Brandon and Zeus have, have gotten super serious about selling OGs, it's a small enough collection where, where sales versus marketing is a, uh, a, a great, uh, customer acquisition tactic. And so seeing all the amazing collectors and, uh, you know, web, web three builders come into the, the, the discord has been, you know, e- even more special. It does have a bit of a special feel to it. When I think about just some names that pop like into my head, like some of the busiest guys in the space, I've shouted him out. I've actually had him uh, on an ep- on episode two of this podcast. Duckmaster, you know, seemingly never sleeps with the non-code ducks in the NFT venues. We've got artists like Mr. Werewolf, who's just doing some really amazing, really creative things, not just for his own drops, but we actually, I, I'm not going to pull back the curtain a little bit, working on a possibly doing something together with the OG Collective and Mr. Werewolf. Um, Man, and there's a a whole bunch of people who are just doing these really awesome things. And to come together uh, at NFT NYC and a lot of us to meet in person, um, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about that experience, but just to also provide a little bit more context. Before that, Zach, I think the first time I heard about you, I was reading some of your, I guess we call it like Web 2 or Normie Life stuff, because I was nominated and voted um, onto the Crypto Chicks Council at the same time you were nominated uh, and and voted onto uh, the advisory board. And so one of the really great things about that is you and I had an opportunity to, you know, kind of get our hands dirty and get our feet wet uh, in the world of kind of like working on, on, you know, teams and sort of an advisory role uh, and then kind of really helping to sort of craft some of the uh, the forward steps of of a really big brand. So 
I guess the two questions for you is kind of like when you when you got into that advisory role, was that was that the first thing really kind of that you did to get your feet wet in Web3 or were you already sort of working on some of your own things prior? Uh, and then also, I'd love to talk a little bit about what you did because you had a pretty impressive resume. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't talked a lot about this, uh, at least in a forum like this. What uh, drew me first off to uh, to NFTs was uh, so, so sorry. Let me take a half step back here. I, I am a big believer in decentralized governance models. Um, I, I was a libertarian economics major, Austrian economics major in college, um, and so crypto is really something that comes to to my worldview. And within crypto, there, there's decentralized finance, there's, um, th- th- there's decentralized uh, operating models, social networks, etc. So, so many awesome applications that I, I'm confident will change the world. Uh, but to me, NFTs are something that are already here and can actually help onboard the masses and make the, those future realities that I would love to believe in um, you know, possible. And, and so that's what drew, drew me to NFTs. And as I jumped into the space... Um, I, I saw, you know, and, and this is the part I haven't talked about live, so we, we, we can edit around if I, I, I sound too crass here. But I looked at my portfolio of NFTs at, at 10 NFTs purchased, and it was a board ape and some Knights of D-Gen and some other very male, sportsy, dominated, uh, you know, characters and communities. And, and I, I couldn't help but think, wow. This looks just like DoorDash when we were 80% male at Employee 200, and, and that's what caused some of the real diversity challenges that we spent a lot of the next five years trying to overcome. And, and that really is what Web3 feels like to me right now. It, it's not necessarily past a point of return. We were able to kind of fix our, our culture and diversity problems at DoorDash while Uber suffered. Um, and really, you know, we won in somewhat it, 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 due to Travis's inability uh, to adapt and, and, and build a, a diverse and, and open-minded culture. And so I've just seen that play out and affect industries firsthand. And so that's really the the desire to like, hey, be part of the change, get out ahead on gender diversity that led me toward Crypto Chicks as a collection and then led me to get involved because I saw, you know, the, the opportunity to help onboard more women into the space early. And, and the the, the uh, number of folks you onboard early really does compound just like hiring in an early company. It does have that same feeling. And what, getting into crypto chicks, I think I, I developed um, a headspace for it in, in a very similar way because you know, when, I, and I told this story before, when I got into kind of the idea of crypto or even into NFTs, they were kind of for very specific purposes at the time. Like crypto, I was, I was studying and trying to invest in a little bit to learn about because when I was transitioning from being a full-time teacher to more on the real estate side with my wife, uh, I found that people were able to purchase homes using crypto. It was not common. It was actually kind of people thought it was a little weird, but anybody who was sort of crypto rich and converted over to USD, they, they understood why it was good. And then, so when I got certified in that and I saw that you could put homes as an NFT on the market and sell them, I was like, wait a second, like, let me learn a little bit more about this NFT space. And I don't, I don't really talk a lot about this, but what people also don't realize is the realtor who NFTs a home gets royalties on that in the same way you'd get royalties if you were a creator of an NFT. And I definitely want to talk a little bit too about Sort of your outlook on OpenSea, royalties, and all the all the all the crazy things that led to your idea of creating um, really innovative marketplaces. But you know, I think about projects like Crypto Chicks because, like, the, you can like the art, but there's always a bit of a, a different reasons for different people entering. So sometimes it's the feel of the buying low and the selling high. But just like you, I got in because I have a couple of little daughters, and I really wanted to have something to purchase for them. And actually, I think the first one I bought was maybe for my wife um, for Valentine's Day. And it was just kind of like to show like, you know, and she'll sometimes even joke with me, like if I'm on a chat with like, it'll say like crypto chicks. And I'll be like, like half of these, more than half of these guys are dudes. So like, it's so, you know, the space is still primarily male. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, even the crypto chicks community, it's what is it, 60, 70% male? And at least it's guys who are out there trying to 
uh, participate in, in changing the, the, the ratio in whatever way we can. That's exactly what it is. And that's why I brought it up because you know, that's what we're trying to do. And so, you know, that does lead me a little bit too to talking about some of the real life experiences um, before we get into a little bit more in the tech stuff. Some of the fun stuff was we did get a chance to meet at NFT NYC. We, we did a whole lot of stuff. Um, we had an opportunity to go to an OG collective meetup as well. Uh, and I know that, um, by, by the look on your bracelet that I know you told me recently just fell off. So, but it had a good run there, um, <laughs> that you had a great time to at Ape Fest. So let's talk a little bit first about what the OG collective meetup was like. Uh, and then I definitely want to hear a little bit more about Ape Fest. And I hope that one day, I don't know, maybe after this merge, when the purge is happening, and I could buy, I could scoop a little bit more ETH. Uh, maybe I'll at least get in there into the, the Yuga uh, thing a little bit with you. But yeah, so the OG Collective meetup, man, that was that was a really unique time. What, what were your thoughts about that? I, I had a great time. Uh, we, we all got to meet up at the Campari headquarters. Um, I have no idea how Evan and, and Brandon wrangled that, but excited to uh, bring the uh, head head of Campari uh, partnerships into the collective soon. I know they're they're working hard on that sale. Um, and yeah, no, it, it was just a great uh, chance to meet so many folks that I've, I've interfaced so closely with over Discord, over Discord Voice, etc. But never really put put that that name to a face. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, my first uh, crypto event full time in the space. I had left DoorDash about two weeks before that. So also just a, a really great chance to, uh, you know, make connections with folks right at the bottom of the market there as things were crashing and, uh, you know, tell each other that everything was going to be all right, uh, especially from some of the, the, the uh, second cyclers, third cyclers who, who could tell me that it was all going to be all right. <laughs> yeah, you do need to hear that sometimes. And, and Jim, Jim over at Campari, we see you out there. So. The door is always open. There's a there's a handful of uh, OG collective pieces uh, listed, um, but there's not that many out of 200. There's not not that many, so they're going quick. Um, so anyway, and then you had a chance. Well, actually, I think probably before before that day, um, you had a chance to head over to Ape Fest, and Ape Fest got a lot of news. Um, I think the same day that I saw you was probably the same day like Snoop and Eminem came out. So. I missed that. I don't 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 do that to me. I I, I would say like Ape Fest was a great time. The artists were great. It was pretty well set up overall. Some hiccups the first day, but having gone a couple times and missed the Snoop and M piece, I I, I no, no nothing bad to say about the event, right? Like that that's purely random, and they can't have Snoop and M there every day. But I do feel like I missed it. Uh, so big, big regret on my end. <laughs> Well, you got to see us. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, you know, when, when life closes a door, it opens a window or something like that. Yeah, there were a couple other things I wanted to ask you, too. I mean, you know, for people who are kind of newer into NFTs in our audience or even people who have been established for a while, um, the, the Board Ape Yacht Club is, you know, it's, it's got a pretty high value piece on it. Um, if, if anybody heard the founders um, on another podcast recently, they're some pretty smart guys with, with a long term vision and. Um, I, obviously they wanted it to be a very successful, you know, project at the time, I guess you could have called it a project, but now it's, it's the brand right now in, in the web three space. So, um, you know, as somebody who's, and we did, we have had a, a, a few people, uh, who are board ape holders, um, shout out board Becky, congratulations on your baby. Um, you know, but, but Zach, you know, as somebody who's kind of been around it and, um, obviously wears it as your profile picture and somebody who's pretty well known in the space. What has the experience been sort of, you know, as part of, part of that, um, you know, you were holder when, you know, the ape coin came out, you were involved. Um, I, were, were you also involved when, when the mutants dropped? I mean, you've, I wish, Oh, you got a little uh, bit after, right that. after that. Yeah. I, um, so, so what I would say, Board Ape was was pretty core to my NFT story. I have a best friend who's the first employee at On Cyber. Uh, they they do kind of the NFT galleries that are NFTs, super meta. I think super cool. I, I own a couple, um, and and he was really recruiting me into Web three NFTs, etc. Uh, before I was ready to make the jump. Uh, and, and the thing he first shared that that got my interest is, hey, there's this board ape yacht club, and this NFT gives you real world utility. I remember I was in Mexico with him and I said, okay, great. Like, there's this NFT and I get access to a yacht club. Okay, that does it for me. I'm in. And he said, no, you get to draw pixels on this online forum, right? 
and he went and showed it to me. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> but but it was the first time that I had initially said like, okay, I, I get it. It's cool, right? And, and so fast forward to Ape Fest last year, the, the October-ish one, and, and the Bored Apes have the yacht. I was like, okay, they're doing it, right? Like now, now it's real. Um, and uh, even though it was a one-day event, I know they're building their actual you know yacht clubhouse in uh, Miami right now. And, and so seeing that level of uh, in real life coordination, capital deployment, et cetera, that, that's what made me really feel like there, there was an opportunity on this, this utility component. Um, and and the, the, the second big thing I would say about being in, in the apes community is there's a real benefit very similar to a, a CryptoPunks or, or, you know, there's several of these proof pass, et cetera. Uh, there, there's a real community benefit, right? Like many of the, the, smartest, most accomplished, et cetera, people in, in Web3 um, are uh, in that community and, and very, you know, quick to, to help others. Uh, but beyond that, the thing I would say is trust in the founders. Uh, I, I know that if I look back at like my entire NFT trading career, I look back to, I, I think it was late April before the ApeCoin drop, and Yuga had said, this will come by end of April. And of course, it comes to April 20th or, or so and people start freaking out and, uh, you know, floor price starts dipping. And there it is. It's April 25th or whatever. And, 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 and there's the release and the, the outcome was better than expected. And I actually feel like we're probably in a similar place in the calendar. Nothing's been been published. Um, but as an example, I have a couple of dogs. I'm not selling those, right? Like all the mecha dog stuff, et cetera. Like just trust in Yuga. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to make money by prognosticating. I'm going to make money by them delivering awesome stuff. And that, that seems to have worked out so far for a lot of the holders. And, and I think that's a big part of it. I think that's why they, they do get the, the recognition and it's well-deserved, you know, because like you said, following through, you know, being a founder who's not just going to have empty promises. And there's a lot of people, you know, now, and I think it's an interesting point too, to talk about as we kind of transition to the next topic, which is marketplaces. But you see so many of these sort of like, I guess people want to call them expansion projects. Like some are expansion projects and some seem like they're trying a little bit too hard to be like the original one. And then it's like, well, just be a different thing. Like, you know, it, it doesn't need to always, in my, and I, and I have, you know, some other things that might be considered an expansion project, but like looking back, it's like, just you don't have to be an ape like you don't always have to be an ape like let the let the board apes do their thing like it's cool to pay homage and that kind of stuff yeah but it's just a little bit funny to me to see something like like just and stop putting yacht club at the end of everything yeah i feel you on that enough overall enough with the derivatives and there are exceptions that i like um i'll name a couple here larva lads which is kind of a crypto punks derivative it's so funny and weird that I kind of get a kick out of it, and I own one of those. Um, uh, I, I mean, th there's a couple of I, I know a lot of the crypto chicks folks are big in the a AI apes uh, community, right? Like again, different enough that I understand it, and um, I, I don't knock anyone who holds. But for the most part, it just feels like it, it, you'd be better off, you know, doing your own thing, creating your own art, etc. At this point. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to come off like any sort of fudding because that's not really where I'm coming from. It just feels like there's so many awesome things that people can do in this space. And um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe sometimes there's uh, people feel like everything's already been done. So they feel like they need to do something that's a little bit more familiar. I don't know. But it's it's nice to see when something new and fresh is, is being dropped on us. And one thing that is new and fresh is uh, the marketplaces that you're putting together. So there's obviously a need for things. Is, you know, Speaking of things like Bored Apes, when you look at OpenSea and the percentage that they take from every sale, and some people actually don't even want to list it because of the percentage, and then they wind up having to list it at a higher price to offset the percentage, and it just becomes this whole 
honestly a hassle for a lot of people. And like the whole NFT space is supposed to just be this, as you know, we talked about like a decentralized approach. I have this thing. If you'd like it, you can purchase it. Um, but you're actually coming up with some solutions for this. And that's, that's a big reason why I wanted to chat with you today, because um, I know I, I'd love for you to chat about it as well. Like some of the, the companies that you're already kind of signed on to work with, um, it's, it's, pretty big stuff you got going on. So can you talk a little bit about that and some of the reasons why you decided to be a good idea to start? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm going to, again, take a half step back to uh, kind of the business model and what we're trying to do here. Um, when I look at uh, any e-com vertical, one, one of the oldest was, was online travel booking, and you saw Expedia, Hotwire, et cetera, come and create this industry of online travel booking, hotels and airlines. And then over the 10, 20 years that have followed since, you've seen a shift towards direct airline booking, direct hotel booking. And um, this isn't the exact number, but it was all Expedia once upon a time, and and it's directionally 80% directly through hotels on that side, a little bit less than that on the airlines, you know, AmericanAirlines.com, et cetera. Um, and the, the reason for that is twofold. One, when you introduce middlemen, you inherently introduce fees, right? Um, in, in travel booking, you're paying like $7 more to book through Expedia maybe versus if you were to go direct. A lot of times there's, there's a cheaper rate and, and Expedia is making something from the hotel. Um, in the case of, of NFTs, it's very clear the seller pays the 2.5% to OpenSea, which is roughly a third of the total take, right? Like 2.5% versus 5% is a pretty typical royalty for a collection. Um, and, and that's a lot of money. It adds up quickly. And, and so, uh, the, the, sorry, really quick, the second uh, value prop here of why things always shift towards first party to direct purchasing is ownership of the buying experience, the customer experience. Last time I'll come back to airlines, that's loyalty points, upsells to extra leg room or, or you know, extra sheet service, whatever it may be. And, and again, coming back to NFTs, I don't know what those things are going to be, but it, it, it's digital tooling and services on merchant websites, exposing folks to new mint experiences, new, new community and social experiences, etc., and so that's the broad opportunity we see here, right? Like Amazon came first, then Shopify came and helped sellers create these these unique digital channels. And I actually think that this will happen even more quickly in NFTs because these communities are already responsible for driving holders and traffic's traffic to their OpenSea page, right? So it's so like you, Travis, you don't look at, hey, do I want a crypto chick today or do I want like a crypto dick butt today, right? Like it, 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 those are completely different purchasing decisions. And when you're ready to purchase, you can get to the, 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 the right buying experience through the project Twitter handle, through Googling it, et cetera, right? Um, and, and so that's the, the core opportunity we're going after, um, is to support mer- or merchants, sellers, creators to reduce royalties and, and help them uh, keep or, or sorry, reduce marketplace fees towards zero so that they can keep their royalties um, and then doing that all through their own channel in a very white label way. And uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but to, to give an exact example of, of what I'm talking about, by the time this podcast airs. Uh, we should be live with uh, CryptoChicks, who we've chatted about plenty today. Their website is CryptoChicks.app. And so our marketplace experience will be Marketplace.CryptoChicks.app. And when folks go there, they'll be able to buy any NFT through OpenSea, Looks Rare, etc. We aggregate all the other listings so that we have the best selection. But then if you were to list through that CryptoChicks channel, there's no uh, fee for the seller today. And so that enables CryptoChicks to keep the royalties and CryptoChicks to drive more sales by making selling NFTs more profitable to uh, buyers, sellers, flippers, etc. So this is why, folks, we call it the Shopify of NFTs. It's it's so streamlined to each of the brands out there. And um, are you able to talk about any of the brands without giving too much away that you will be working with um, in addition to CryptoChicks? Yeah, so there's a lot I can't talk about. I'm excited that we have a a roster of 15-plus project partners that we'll be launching um, across kind of September and October. 
Um, the other big one I can talk about is Goblin Town. They, they've already announced, and, and that includes Truth Labs and Illuminati, all of the, the, the collections under their umbrella. Um, so we're working with them toward a launch in the next several weeks. Can't provide an exact date there. Um, but, but another great example of uh, a brand that's building immersive stories, uh, you know, connections across collections, etc. And so they have an inherent desire to keep folks on their, their direct channel, uh, to help folks, you know, see across collections, stay close to their digital experiences. And, and we're helping them power that, that buying and sell experience. Um, and I'm actually, I, I'm realizing now that, that there's a share button right here. Let me, uh, flash this one quickly. Um, because this will be live, um, I'm gambling here. I'm, I'm so so. This is our our basic uh, crypto chicks experience, and then I'm going to see if it's already set up here. There we go. So I've typed in marketplace.cryptochicks.app. That'll be linked from their website in the not too distant future. And then here we have both aggregated uh, listings from OpenSea, X2Y2, Looks Rare, etc. And then as folks connect wallet, they, they can list directly on this marketplace with no marketplace fee. I don't know how you're keeping your composure. This is pretty exciting. I mean, I feel like it, it takes somebody like you to be able to do this without without. I mean, if it was me, I, I'd be running in circles uh, for excitement, being able to to do these things and, and help these companies like Crypto Chicks. And you mentioned Goblin Town. I mean, this stuff is incredible. And I can't wait. That's only two. He, folks, he said he's got 15 already uh, on the roster in the stable there. So uh, this is where the tech stuff gets a little bit heavy for myself. So can you talk a little bit more? I, I know that you're involved in, in a handful of different things now. Um, but when you're building this, you know, we, we talked about the creator royalties. Were there any other sort of tech-related reasons other than just making it a little bit more user-friendly, a little bit more friendly for the brands to be able to keep some of the royalties that you kind of saw as maybe an issue that needed to be solved, whether you're referring to something like OpenSea or one of the other um, marketplaces? Yeah, so I, what, what I can talk about a little bit is one, a user story. Um, I, I bought a second Board Ape NFT, uh, maybe around a, a 50 Ethereum floor, um, when I saw one at the floor that I thought was too good to be at the floor. And so I, it was my first time in NFTs. So I was like, I can flip this. I can make some money. Um, and when I went to resell that NFT at a 60 ETH floor, I looked at my, my costs and it was 5% royalty, 2.5%. Open C fee, and then I thought about my tax liability on that, thirty uh, percent of ten ETH, and and I would have been slightly underwater on what was a ten ETH or a lot of money profit theoretically, right? And, and so that that was the first time I saw uh, the need to to reduce margins and and kind of align incentives with the creator, um, so that the the uh, the seller is only thinking about the royalty, not the uh not not the uh marketplace fee and how they obfuscate that how they use a trading service in order to to get around that right um uh, and, and so that was a little bit of my aha moment um but beyond that i i'm really a believer that uh marketplaces are um only good when they drive traffic to merchants right so so at doordash and sorry i talked so much about that experience but it was there the last seven ish years um we, uh, our core value prop is we are bringing you sales that you would not have otherwise. You just make the food. And because it's all incremental, your, your only additional cost on this is the food cost. This is high margin, additional value to, to your brand. But that is so not true of, of the OpenSea business model today because really the, the merchant, the seller drives the consumer or, or the buyer to that OpenSea channel, to looks rare, et cetera, where, where the, the buyer seller complete the, the, the sale. And so the opportunity we see is to help uh, projects re really own that experience. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people have seen issues with OpenSea. I mean, OpenSea works well a lot of times, but it does have a little bit of a reputation. It's got a nickname we call it BrokenSea. Um, there's a lot of things that happen kind of within that world. And um, just kind of curious on your take. I'm not a hater of OpenSea. I'm not a lover of OpenSea. I'm, I'm just a user of OpenSea. When you think about OpenSea, you think about 
you know, how much revenue they make or how much it might be valued by. And then there's the rumors of them, you know, going public. And then uh, instead of going public, maybe not wanting to go public, but dropping a token instead and like letting that be a claim. Do you see um, as sort of other marketplaces do pop up, do you see one of the bigger kind of OG ones like OpenSea uh, doing anything to try to keep some of their users? Or do you think they're just going to kind of keep the status quo and just let people go to different marketplaces? Yeah, so re- really interesting question. I think in any, uh, again, e-com industry, and you can generalize all of this, compare it to the, the travel industry like I did earlier or any other, there's third-party marketplaces versus there's first-party direct channels. And those two things long-term are not that competitive. There's things shift towards first party over time. They start 100% third party. They shift towards first party. And there's some natural uh, stopping point where they stop shifting and reach a status quo. And, and we don't know where, where that stopping point will be in this industry. But OpenSea, first off, their their marketplace, they are competing against X2Y2, really. Um, we could talk about Looks Rare. We could talk about Magic Eden, who's certainly you know entering Ethereum and going to be a threat. Um, but ultimately, it's the fee model of X2I2 that is probably differentiated enough right now um, to re- really grab market share from, from OpenSea. The other approach that was already ex- successful in grabbing market share from OpenSea is the, the aggregation approach, Gem plus Genie. And, and we saw those two get quickly acquired by OpenSea and uh, Uniswap. And so I, I think things that, that we are seeing to be true are, one, um, OpenSea has a strong network effect. Folks are, you know, that, that's folks Googling OpenSea project name. It's, you know, folks who are only comfortable on, on OpenSea. Se- several things going for them there. Two, there are, there are demonstrated examples of other competitors eating into that network effect. And so if OpenSea does not continue to innovate and I think that will include, you know, su- some changes to their fee strategy. I don't know what that looks like, but it can't just be two point five percent flat forever. Um, they 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 will have part of their lunch eaten, right? And and uh, mo- most of the time, the first marketplace to market is not the winner, right? eBay first, Amazon is the the ultimate champion in in uh, you know e- d- direct ecom. Um, so that that's kind of the marketplace side. Um, in the first party piece that we, we do have our own competitors today, um, origin story launched a pudgy penguins marketplace recently. Um, I, I can't wait to compete directly against these folks. I, I think, um, I, I don't want to get, you know, don't, don't want to air dirty laundry on why I think our fee model quality of product, et cetera, is, is so differentiated versus the folks we're competing with today. But I will say that uh, I'm exci- excited to uh, let the, the the sales numbers, volume numbers, as we get these marketplaces live, do the talking. So a, a couple questions there. I think first with you know, with OpenSea, the the fees and things probably this is just my experience wouldn't be that big of a deal if the customer service was up to par. Um, that, that was an issue. Again, I'm not fudding. I'm not hating on OpenSea. I do use it. Um, I haven't had that many issues with it, but you know, friends that we have who have lost things or bought something. And then a couple of weeks later, like, a, you know, it gets flagged for, for being, you know, I don't know, purchased, uh, that maybe was taken in from someone's wallet that was then sold to someone else and sold to them. It's, it's kind of a, just a crazy thing. And, and it's so decentralized. I guess there's no real answer. Let me ask you a question on that because I'm not sure if I believe in that, that, that what you just said or not, the, like the support is the problem. First off, I don't want to pay 2.5% of an $100,000 NFT. That's $2,500. That's too much to pay any marketplace on anything. Just full stop, right? Like especially as the, 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 like the board apes of the world, those transaction values go up. That's why so much of it is, is leaving OpenSea, moving to, to trading, et cetera. But coming back to the support point, do you think it's that the the support is not good enough, or do you think it's that the support is is misflagging items to your second point, and then there's just no ability to get them back live? Right? Like, I almost feel like if there was less support, it would solve the problem. No, yeah, you, no, you absolutely right. Back to kind of your earlier point about you know libertarianism and that kind of stuff. But I I do have to say that like 
Now, I'm certainly not comfortable with that amount. That That's not really kind of where I was going with it. I just think it was more like people sometimes are happy paying for a little bit more knowing that they're going to be able to get something from it. Like, why why continue to pay these fees if they're not going to have your back if something does get swiped? And then if, if you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it's that they're doing things a little bit late. Maybe that... Th- there's just it's never been done before, Zach. I I don't quite know what the yeah. I, I think that's the interesting thing though. So so one, I, I taking a half step back because I, I've said nothing bad but nothing nice about OpenSea. Um, I actually think that the, their uh, kind of like company ethos and, and what I've seen them uh, innovating on recently is the right set of things that aligns closely with kind of the Web3 ethos of decentralization, et cetera. And, and I far prefer them to Magic Eden, who's maybe their their biggest competitor um, in, in terms of some of their, their centralized practices, processes, et cetera. One example of that is OpenSea recently published their their new uh, flagged item, stolen item policy. And they now require a police report, um, w- which is pretty similar to what our policy will look like. What will actually be, you know, even more stringent just in terms of uh, requiring follow-up a- a- around, uh, you know, the-, the police report verifying that-, that the thing was actually stolen. Um, so-, so there'll be kind of a two-stage process. Um, but the core thing is when people have their things flagged and, and they, they either were not responsible for it being flagged or it wasn't flagged, right? Like the, 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 there's a high ability today for me to not like you, Travi, and, and send you an NFT and say it was stolen and get your whole account flagged, right? I would never do that to anyone, but but I've heard of that happening, right? And, and so, again, it's kind of like you can't do anything on the blockchain, right? Like we, there's no ability for OpenSea to return an asset. And so what are we really doing here, right? Like, how do we minimize the amount of, of interaction of, of centralized systems? Man, I, I think that, uh, you know, I th- maybe, maybe uh, I've just been complaining a little bit too much. You know, maybe I think... I, I, I love the complaining because it leaves room for us. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think, to me, it's... OpenSea's not the, the greatest evil. Yeah, um, people... Other people are greater evils. evils. So yeah. hopefully you won't um, ever dislike me and <laughs> and ever do that because that would just be <laughs> – no. but, yeah. you know, but there are things like we talk about. And, and again, we – I have no hard feelings really towards a lot of things in this space. I think the only things that kind of bug me are people who pump floors and then kind of dump and leave people holding a bag. That kind of stuff really bugs me. But there are things that you're seeing. Um, because you have you know a very unique sort of outlook on things, and now you're able to create these marketplaces specifically for each brand, and that's something I do want to kind of talk a little bit more about because I know I've kept you for for a little while already, but I do want to kind of talk a little bit more. If one of our listeners are considering launching an NFT project, or they're considering, or maybe they already have one, maybe they have a sold out collection because we do have a fair amount of listeners who are you know builders and founders. What could they do in order to sort of transition um, to kind of work with you and your company and, and get on your marketplace? Yeah, no. Uh, so, so our website is snagsolutions.io, um, and we have a inbound form there. But uh, most people tend to find me directly, so I'm also at Z Hairwagon on uh, Twitter. That's a mouthful, so I'll spell uh, Z-H-E-E-R-W-A-G-E-N. And uh, yeah, I'm always excited to chat with folks in the space, whether you're a new project founder, uh, already running something, minting something, etc. I'm always happy to chat and see how we can help. A lot of fun stuff, and of course we'll have all that in the show notes, but... You know, before you go, I do have to always ask uh, just some some of the more fun questions. I mean, we talked about um, being a collector and having an OG collective, uh, you know, piece there, and we, and we talked about the crypto chicks piece, and we talked about um, the board ape stuff. But um, you know, I think that some of the listeners who are part of um, the Diamond Dogs community as well, which is a team I work on, they'd be happy to know too that I know that you purchased actually. I think you minted a few, and you wound up with a stadium. I got like six of those. Yeah. 
yeah. What, 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 when, uh, when Diamond Dogs Marketplace. Yeah, exactly. So we've, we've got some real, so Evans Mendoza, the founder, he's uh, still on the road, you know, so he's in the middle of his baseball season still. So we have a whole lot of stuff that we're building. Um, we're, we, we've been looking at, uh, we launched a creator coin on rally.io called the dog coin. So there's going to be some stuff within there, but, um, believe it or not, uh, since the, uh, the NFT classic, the baseball game between our guys, the Diamond Dogs and your guys, the Bored Apes, who, who won? Diamond Dogs won by one, but it was a good game. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think so. And that's why I said let's shift to more of the fun stuff because there's the, the use cases and for NFTs, whether you're talking blockchain uh, and you know, th- that whole component and the tech side and things that you're doing are super cool. But then you kind of think about this um, and that's the IP rights. And the IP that the different holders of Diamond Dogs and the different holders of Board Apes actually kind of, I guess, in one way or another, licensed for the game. Like the the teams were literally they were going to play a game anyway. It was two teams in the MLB Draft League, and they changed their names for for the whole game. And the jerseys had the actual Diamond Dog on it or the Board Apes on them. The announcers and the fans were even like cheering, you know, calling the t- Let, here we go, Board Apes, here, stuff like that. So it was just a really cool, unique experience. Um, I'm wondering now, you know, on the collector side, um, besides obviously Diamond Dogs and obviously Bored Apes and obviously Crypto Chicks, um, what are some things that you, you kind of really enjoy just kind of holding, you know, having just as a collector? Uh, and then what are some of your ideas about maybe how you might be able to or other people might be able to actually like license their intellectual property in like a really unique way? We've seen some really cool stuff with Bored Apes, like with Old Navy and, and the Burger Joint and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been pretty neat. Yeah, so I, I think um, I, I have spent a little bit less time on, on the IP side personally just because I don't have a desire to hustle to, to get my IP out there. Um, I, I have a, a friend, shout out uh, RDC, who I've made through Killer Bears, um, and, and uh, he's out there hustling for me to try to get my ape onto a beer bottle or a whiskey or, or something like that. Uh, but ultimately, I, I see uh, regional partnerships as a key piece of, of the IP uh, opportunity here. And what I'm excited to see more of is, one, some of these marketplaces like uh, board jobs, etc., um, figuring out how to scale mid-market SMB-type uh, partner relations you know, inbound marketing, et cetera. So that, that there's, there's a uh, multitude of, of opportunities for holders. Um, and, and then to see the, the holders themselves start to think about and for, focus on some of these smaller opportunities. It feels like there, there's a small class of influencers that get the like target M&Ms opportunity or whatever, right? And, and that's not going to be me and it's probably not going to be you. Um, and, and it may be some version of us that's going to spend 30 hours a week hustling on this stuff. Um, but um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I, I actually think the same way that uh, celebrities start in, in TV commercials and, and, you know, rise to fame, I, I, I suspect some of the same will be true of NFTs. So I think, uh, you know, opportunity favors the, the bold. What, 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 what marketing tagline did I just take? But yeah, I mean, you know, you do see the IP. You got Seth Green, who's doing his show with his ape. He had to hunt it down to get it back. Um, you do see the consumer packaged goods, um, GMGN company. I know on board Becky's uh, ape is going to be on that on that cereal box. And if anybody, you know, is thinking about needing an ape or a really cool ape for their product out there. This is ape 8576. This guy's got a cowboy hat. He's got a cyborg eye. He's got pink fur. Um, a black turtleneck. I mean, I don't know, man. There's so many things that you can do. Beer bottle, I think, would just be the start of it. Yeah, I, I think like something liquor because he's he's kind of mean looking, right? So I feel like beer or whiskey would be awesome. Um, but I'm I'm all ears. You tell me. <laughs> Ooh, I could I could definitely picture him on a, on a whiskey bottle for sure. But yeah, there's so many things out there that you know the world of uh, Web three and NFTs, man. Just there's. There's things that we don't even know yet. And, you know, I think right now kind of the timestamp of where you and I are having this discussion, we're right in the middle of the Ethereum merge. 
it's sort of, or right at the beginning of it. I, I don't know how long this is supposed to take. So, you know, before we go, and, and this is kind of like a time capsule of a conversation, I feel like, because looking back on this months from now, years from now, we'll, we will know what has happened. But, you know, and I've read some of your tweets recently, so I know that you have some ideas. But if you could just tell our listeners kind of like, you know, Ethereum 1 always was going to move on to this this new kind of merge platform. Like it was always going to happen. And you got a lot of people out there who are, um, you know, some of the miners who are sad because we're going to move more to proof of stake. It's going to be a lot cleaner for the environment, things like that. I know that you're not a fortune teller and you're not, you know, you can't see the future, but what, what do you think this might do for the, the space, whether it's Web3, crypto, NFTs, or just kind of building on the blockchain? Yeah, I, um, I, I've, Nothing unique to add here, but to me, the 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 two key things are one the the narrative on uh, green energy and uh, you know re- reducing uh, carbon uh, you know footprint impact of, of the network. Um, I think that's not something we talk about a lot within the space, but it does really matter as we think about. Uh, broader adoption of uh, like even if it's a lot of fun even if it's overstated it is blocking mainstream adoption of these technologies and so addressing that is going to be massive in the mid to long run and then obviously the thing that that is more important to us as uh, owners of the network is is the structural uh, reduction of cell pressure for miners and I I don't know the numbers at all but uh, every day a percent or a half percent or 0.1 percent some some small amount of the network gets mined and created by uh folks who, who are paying to to process gpus every day um and by uh you know moving to proof of stake all of that uh cell pressure dissipates and so as you know the the, the community continues to buy and hold and and you know, use NFTs and DeFi, et cetera, we're, uh, you know, all, all going to start enhancing the value of the network together. And so it, it's a, it, anyone who's like, hey, I'm buying the merge to sell the merge. I, I think that's probably the wrong thought. Anyone who's buying ETH to to hold the merge and, and, and you know, looks forward to what their token value is a year or two years from now, I, I think that's going to pay off well in the long run. Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. I mean, not just somebody who I got to meet in person and wanted to sort of chat with a little bit and provide a platform for you, you know, but you are doing a lot of really amazing things that, um, you know, looking back, you know, I know you think that people like like you or myself or, you know, who don't, who don't want to kind of get out there and, and get that IP out there and stuff aren't hustling. But man, what, what you're doing is is hustling in, in a totally different, totally different way. And you're going to make the user experience so much better. You're going to make the buying experience better. You're going to make the selling experience better. Um, so I guess, you know, I just want to thank you in advance for that on behalf of, you know, all the users out there. And um, I do want to give you the last word as well. I know that um, there's a whole lot of stuff that we talked about today. Of course, it'll all be in the show notes. But if there's anything that either we left out or you'd like to remind the listeners to, this would be an awesome time. Um, we're, we're thrilled to launch and start supporting projects, creators, and their communities this week. Um, please reach out if you're interested in, in uh, reducing your reliance on OpenSea as a creator. Um, and uh, I look forward to coming on this show, I don't know, six, 12 months down the road and, and, and touching base on, on everything and, and, and how things have grown in the interim. He's doing so much. And I even kind of within our, our groups with the OG Collective and all the things that, that Zach is a part of with there, there's so much I feel like, Zach, that we're going to be able to talk about down in the future. So the door is always open. It's been a pleasure to have you. If anybody wants to reach out to Zach, all his information again, will be in the show notes. And he is somebody who I'm very happy to not only have had as a guest, but happy to call my friend. So Zach, it's been an absolute pleasure. Great. And Travi. Thank you to the Z man, Zach Hairwagon. I think I had to re-edit my pronunciation of his name numerous times because I wanted to make sure I got it right because he is somebody who I don't want any of you to forget. He's building some things, not just for himself. He's building it to make our experience better. So all the times that we've had issues on the secondary marketplace, Zach is somebody who's uh, put some wheels in motion there to clear some of those problems up. Some of those snags will now have a solution. So that's why 
Zach and Snag Solutions is a company I believe in very strongly. And, you know, having gotten to know Zach and I do feel like meeting people in person does put a lot of context to to who they are and what they're doing. I mean, might sound obvious, but in a world where a lot of people have pictures of, you know, cartoon animals and uh, you don't ever really kind of know what they look like or anything like that. It's been, it's been really cool to get to know Zach a little bit and just see what he's been up to. So thanks again to Zach. And thanks again to all of you out there for continuing to listen. This is lucky episode number 13. So I think that's, A good time to give you the word of the day today. And just in case you are new to the game, all you really need to do is DM me on Twitter at M-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-T-H-O. That's at Mr. Travis, though, with today's secret word. And today's secret word is Zach, Z-A-C-H. So if you... Hit me up on the DMs. Uh, You may find yourself with a piece of exclusive merchandise coming straight to you from the Diamond Dogs. The Diamond Dogs NFT collection founded by Evan Mendoza. Zach is a holder as a lot of our listeners are as well. What was really cool about the Diamond Dogs is there's so many new things and so much utility always being added. So if anyone's got a signature on their Diamond Dog, don't forget you can still have a chance to redeem that for tickets to one of Evan Mendoza's games uh, throughout the rest of the season. And who knows, who knows what's going to be going on for next season too. Hint, hint, there's a lot of cool stuff uh, being planned for, for season two. So anyway... Real big thank you again to Zach. Really excited about some of the future episodes we have coming up. On Thursday, we're going to be chatting with Jay Alders. Jay is actually somebody else who's a personal friend of mine. I've been friends with Jay for a very long time. He's been doing art since he was a little guy, and uh, he's moved into the world of NFTs. And not just that, you know, in between, you'll hear some of the bands that Jay's worked with. Uh, some are national uh, and global touring bands. Got some really, really cool sponsorship stuff. Uh, his artwork is seen everywhere from skateboards to uh, <laughs> to uh, vitamin packs and stuff. I mean, he's just he's a really great guy. So I'm excited for you guys to all hear that. We got a lot. We got a lot. But one more thing before we close it up today, and that's going to be a minute for the NFT uterine session. Hey, 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 it's time for school. Yes, yes, it is time for school, and it is one more NFT uterine session. And this will only take a minute, and this is on the topic of secondary marketplaces. And the reason I wanted to talk about this, I mentioned secondary marketplaces on previous podcast episodes. And after talking with Zach today, it reminded me that not everybody quite understands coming into the space what a secondary or primary marketplace would be for an NFT. But if you think about it in the real world sense, the primary marketplace would be the actual website of the project who's actually creating or minting the nft you then can go and literally mint it and that's also on a previous episode go back and listen to what we talked about minting means you can actually be the first one to ever purchase it most of the time not knowing what it looks like and not having the artwork revealed yet is part of the minting process after that you could then sell that on a secondary marketplace to somebody else who did not mint one or maybe they did mint one and wants to buy another one it doesn't really matter the secondary marketplace is just a place other than the original website that you can um that you can sell it on and you know if you're a little bit later to the game and stuff like that and you kind of missed it then you go to the secondary marketplaces and you would buy it for the very first time and that's where people talk about things like floor prices and things like that all the floor price means is the lowest possible entry point to purchase one of those nfts so Usually, actually not even usually anymore, back in the good old days, like (laughs) eight months ago or whatever, the minting price was usually lower than the floor price, right? If you minted an NFT for 0.08, a lot of times the floor price would be much higher because on the secondary marketplace, it's a lot harder to get, you know, to get the first ones. Usually you get them in at a good price, a lower price and that kind of thing. But nowadays, things aren't moving as easily. You could go to a secondary marketplace and buy a lot of times for even less. And those floor prices keep on changing. But one place that you can always check that is the marketplaces that Snag Solutions is making. So 
Zach mentioned Goblin Town will have Marketplace. Uh, Crypto Chicks will have Marketplace. And there's a minimum of 15 uh, that he's already talked about. So secondary is something like OpenSea, Looks Rare, uh, and some of the other conversation pieces that Zach talked about uh, earlier. So all it means is you're not buying it directly from the original creator. And that's what a secondary marketplace is. And this has been your NFT Utering session. Thank you again, friends, for hanging with me for another episode of Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. Remember, I am Travi.eth. That's at Mr. Travis, though, on the old Twitter. And I'm so thankful for all of you who have been checking in with me. If anybody out there is a builder and wants to have a platform to talk about what they're doing in this crazy, mixed up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool brand new world of nfts and web3 you know how to reach me i'm right here and i'd love to give you a platform to spit your game as they say and i'm so appreciative of everybody who's been listening catching up to the old episodes chiming in trying to win some prizes another big shout out to zach another big thank you to liz morrison and becky wowo loved having that conversation on the twitter space thank you for my domain name uh, and there's just so many great things about all the people here in Web3. And that's why I love to do what I do best, my friends. And that is bring one love to Web3. And I'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.